the Music Industry 360 podcast. It's good to be back. For those that don't remember, my name is Jorge, founder and CEO of Symphonic, here also with the one and only Melanie Durantes, Management Assistant for Symphonic. Melanie, how you been doing? Hey, good. How are you? Doing awesome. Happy to be here with you, as well as to feature our guest today, Jeanette Berrios, Head of Corporate Marketing for Symphonic. Before we begin, though, let's just check in. Melanie, what's been new with you at Symphonic or outside of Symphonic? Yeah, um, well, it's been, a, it's been a fun ride lately. I have been pursuing some outside things as well on the weekends, of course, Jorge. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I actually just signed with an agent this week for acting to get into commercials and stuff like that. So All right. Well, hey, listen, I just want to see you like in one of those like Snickers, you're, you're not you when you're angry type commercials. I look forward <laughs> to that. So that that's really cool. One one cool thing that we've been doing, and you know, you'll see Symphonic talk a little bit about this. We've uh, we actually have had some pretty cool releases as of late. Of course, we always have awesome releases, but two that are pretty neat and fun to talk about. Uh, one tune with Paris Hilton that uh, was produced by an awesome producer named Lodato. It's called "I Blame You," and we're also very very proud and happy to be distributing a project. Um, that just came out on uh, Friday, the October 23rd. That was a project produced by Jermaine Dupree that features NEO, Common, Gary Clark Jr., many others. The song is called um, Change, and all these royalties are going towards benefiting the Social Change Fund. Just for everyone to know, a quick plug, because I think what they're doing is pretty amazing. The Social Change Fund's mission is to invest and support organizations that are working to liberate black people and advocate for indigenous people and communities of color through the lens of policy solutions, community representation and narrative change. Pretty cool stuff. All right, let's get right into it. So Melanie, I'll let you take it away. So today we have a cool discussion about elevating your brand with Symphonic's own head of corporate marketing, Jeanette Berrios. I'm so happy to introduce Jeanette, someone that I know quite well and who's been featured on this podcast before. And today she makes her triumphant return. So Jeanette, how did you get into the music business and marketing? So first of all, thank you for having me back. Obviously, we, we've had the podcast for a little bit there and we took a little hiatus and super glad now that, that, that you and Jorge are taking it over. I like the little dynamic. But yeah, but I, I basically started, uh, started here because of Jorge, as obviously you know, but maybe a couple of our listeners here might not know, Jorge, the CEO of Symphonic, is my husband. Back then, you know, those eight years ago, Symphonic was definitely a different company. Obviously, back then, it was essentially just, you know, it was Jorge, his best friend, and uh, Julio, his brother. Uh, so, so yeah, so, so when I met him, essentially, he had started this company, uh, which was a really cool, you know, obviously, like a really cool concept, because it's, you know, it's helping musicians, establishing themselves, which essentially it's kind of like each individual musician kind of starting their own you know their own career their own business and I particularly have always been you know I've considered myself always like an entrepreneur I've had a couple of ventures myself uh, previously to you know to Symphonic um, which I had had my own you know my own business I also worked in corporate America for some time so obviously as I'm you know obviously started to date Jorge obviously I realized that uh, he needed a lot of help because back then, you know, there was only three of them. And, um, and I was, you know, I felt I was pretty well versed in, in doing marketing since I had done, you know, marketing for my own business. Um, and obviously, I, I was wearing a lot of hats then, you know, and, and essentially, when I started in Symphonic, 
I was wearing a lot of hats then too. So I was helping initially, you know, with marketing, but then I was also helping with the pitching of the music to the different stores. I was the editor of the blog of noise porn, the editor of our blog, helping Jorge with reporting. I was the HR person, you know, kind of office manager. So, so yeah, so I was wearing a lot of hats and, and, you know, I, I loved it you know, I, I love entrepreneurship and everything that has to do with building a business. And then in addition to that, uh, I've always had an affinity for the arts in general. So I love that we were helping, you know, musicians kind of, you know, start their own businesses, make money out of their music, you know, championing kind of like the, the small guy. And by the way, if you hear any sounds or any weird sounds, I have Vito here, my dog, uh, if anybody wants to find him, you can find him at Vito the Brindle on Instagram, and you can see this cutie. But if you hear any sounds, that's him. Vito is definitely a big part of the company. He's actually a chief marketing officer, which you could argue is basically like all of our bosses, actually. Yeah, I think we'll get him on next month, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have a whole feature. That might be like a live stream session of him just like sleeping the entire time. But, you know. ASMR. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, he, he does have Spotify playlists as well, in case you were wondering. Well, awesome. I mean, the best leaders have done it themselves, right? Jorge, you too. You both have experienced so many moving parts of the company. And Jeanette, I know that you have accomplished so many things. I wish that I could list them all here right now. But I do want to just ask you, are there any challenges being the CEO's wife versus making your own name in the industry? Yeah, I think it's like, you know, there's, there's different, uh, I would say layers, you know, to, to working with your, with your significant other in general, you know, so, so I feel, you know, first and foremost, it's just kind of, you know, finding the balance between this time that we spend together in the office. And then also, you know, the time that we, that we spend outside of it, you know, and just kind of disconnecting. Cause obviously at times, you know, we're always going to be talking about, you know, about work. Um, and, and we're always, I feel like Jorge and I are always kind of like in the mindset of like process improvement. It's like, as a business owner or an entrepreneur, I feel like that's really important that, you know, you always evaluate where you are now and then how you can improve upon that. So I know that it's, it's hard for us to kind of disconnect from this. And, and I, you know, I think like other than, you know, like there's that first layer of obviously like our relationship, you know, and then, then we have our working relationship. You know, what's worked for us is that, you know, I feel like we, we have mutual respect. You know, I think like having respect for each other is really important. I feel like in a couple, like in, in a relationship in general, there's always going to be this power struggle of like, you know, between like who has ownership of what and, you know, who makes the decisions in different situations. And I think, you know, for us, we've been able to, to kind of master that, you know, I, I truly, I, I genuinely respect, you know, like his knowledge and his dedication, particularly, I think for me, like in every job that I've had, you know, that I've ever, you know, if I've left it, it's because at times I felt like I was the hard, the hardest working person there. And I feel like fortunately, like in this situation with Symphonic, it hasn't happened because I know Jorge is working as hard as I am. So I feel like that's, that's genuinely worked for us. You know, obviously as a woman working with, with your husband, obviously it does have, you know, I feel like there are some challenges, but it's sometimes I've, I've felt that it's not challenges amongst ourselves, but it's like the perception of like, 
if there is there favoritism because I have this position, you know, so I feel that at times I might have to prove myself a little more, you know, for, for people to, you know, to know that I'm not here, you know, for a favor, you know, I'm here because I've earned, you know, like the, the job that I have and, and I, I know what I'm talking about. And, and obviously, you know, at the end of the day, numbers and, and figures are, that's, what's not going to lie, you know? And I think that's what's kept me around. Um, but yeah, but I think that's kind of like in a nutshell. Yeah, for sure. And I can echo the, uh, the work ethic of you and Jorge and the dedication and you guys are, are inspiring for the rest of us. Um, you definitely earned your credit and, you know, as a woman that, that is really important and we need representation out there. So thank you for everything that you do. But, you know, you have been with Symphonic for a while. So, you know, back into the marketing piece, how has branding changed since the beginning to now? And what do you remember that artists used to have to do that they don't anymore and vice versa? Yeah, I was thinking about that uh, earlier. And, and essentially, like, I feel like one of the bigger pieces is like the amount of social media platforms that were, you know, were available, like just, you know, seven to eight years ago, you know, back then. Uh, marketing on social media was obviously very important as it is still today. But back then we only essentially had Facebook and Twitter. Um, Instagram is still not around. Uh, I do remember when it first started and, you know, it, it was kind of like a, a different platform. You know, not a lot of people were sharing uh, music yet. Uh, it was mainly a lot of, you know, people were just sharing like food and scenery and it was really photography based, you know, essentially, which, which is still today, but, but back then I feel like it was, it was still that. Um, so I feel like there were less platforms to, to have to, you know, to have to market to, which, you know, because now obviously, you know, we have the ones that I mentioned and now, you know, there's TikTok, there's Snapchat, Thriller, YouTube. Um, YouTube was around and it was pretty popular, but, but yeah, it's been interesting to see, you know, like the transition of the amount of platforms. Um, but it's exciting too, because I feel like depending on, on the type of music that you make and, you know, like in terms of the genre and the, um, the audience that you have, I feel like now you have a really vast selection of, of platforms where you can find additional fans, you know, not only in your region, but even globally. Because some of these platforms have, you know, a larger pres presence perhaps in, you know, somewhere else around the world. So I think it's, that's been really great. And also um, because a lot of these platforms have now, you know, been available for a significant, significant amount of time, they also have their own age groups in which people, you know, kind of, uh, you know, basically navigate towards too. So, so I feel like that's been interesting. I remember too that, um, you know, and Jorge can probably remember this too, like when Spotify first started out, when it first started, it was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, uh, you get music for free and, you know, it's like all this catalog and, you know, it doesn't have any commercials and all that. And then, uh, but we were, we were wondering, I remember like, we love it, you know, like we like it. But it's like, are people going to follow it? Like, we, we just didn't know at all. You know, we knew that we were kind of like those like early adapters, you know, because obviously, you know, we work with all these DSPs. But yeah, you know, and in a matter of like, I think it was like, it took like maybe like three to four years. Suddenly, it's like, everybody was talking about Spotify and wanting to be featured in it and learning how to use it versus the traditional platform that used to be, you know, essentially for us, it was uh, iTunes, the iTunes download store. 
and um, and Beatport because um, we we do have a lot of um, a lot of electronic music in our catalog. So so we used to you know we we still work really closely with them, but but back then uh, features in Beatport were really important too. Um, yeah, I definitely remember uh, going from iTunes and to Spotify. I can't imagine my music life without Spotify now. Um, <laughs> I don't know if marketing agencies were, you know, more prevalent back then or now, but I mean, do you think artists can benefit from working with them to help elevate their brand? And at what point do you think they should do that in their career? Yeah, I feel that marketing agencies definitely have their, you know, their benefits. It's just a, a matter of timing, you know, and when you should be, you know, using one or approaching one, you know, or considering one. So, and obviously with marketing agencies uh, come obviously a cost. So I think, you know, are they important? Yes, for sure. Uh, I feel that, you know, the type of artist that can benefit from it has to be somebody that, you know, obviously has gotten some traction. You know, I know that obviously right now we're in the pandemic and, you know, not a lot of people are touring, but I feel that that it is an extension of a of an artist's team. Uh, I feel considering that your first, you know, like the first team member that you should potentially have is around, you know, whether it's like a PR agency to help you out, which I feel this, you know, like a marketing agency could be in the, you know, kind of like in the in the thread of of PR, you know. Uh, cause like once you start releasing music, you obviously want to get it out there in as many platforms as possible, you know, not only from a DSP standpoint, you know, from the, from, you know, like the digital platforms like Spotify, Apple, you know, Pandora, et cetera, but you also want to, you know, get some, some support in publications as well. And a PR agency is typically the, the person that can do that for you. And nowadays, PR agencies or, you know, PR agents are starting to delve a little bit more into, you know, kind of like a marketing agency aspect too, you know, so they help you craft some sort of marketing plan or, con you know, social media content calendar, because it's, it's something that's kind of blending. Once you start, you know, getting more traction, perhaps you have more shows, you're touring, et cetera, then then using a marketing agency could be really beneficial, you know, for uh, to start developing perhaps like a digital advertising campaign for you or a really more, you know, like specialized marketing plan for you, perhaps helping you develop your brand as well um, in terms of like, you know, when we, talk, when we talk about a brand, we're not only talking about, you know, the, the visual aspect, but then also, you know, how, what tone are you using Perhaps if you, you know, if you have a, a specific treatment that you use in all your photography and all your branding, uh, at times, some of them have a font. So it's like you create your own font, your own logo, your website. There's a couple of moving pieces, but I feel, I feel like that for, for, for an artist to really benefit from it, benefit from it um, they have to be at a certain point where they're actually creating a demand for their music and and have a pretty established fan base. What would you say are some best practices or bullet points for anyone that's listening that sort of wants to elevate his or her own brand, you know, without a marketing agency, you know, anybody that's sort of doing this on their own, what would you say are just some important things that, you know, someone would need to focus on? So I would say first things first uh, is uh, making sure that all your social media platforms are cohesive, you know, meaning that, you know, your Facebook banner, 
uh, you know, your cover picture, your Twitter, your YouTube channel, all these social media platforms, like first of all, they should have a professional looking, uh, branded, you know, like uh, photography or concept that you're you're promoting, you know, making sure that all of that is covered. Um, it's really important these days, uh, even though we have all these social media platforms, it's really important to have a website. You know, websites these days, I feel sometimes are overlooked, but in this website, I feel like this should be kind of like the central hub for all things related to, to you as an artist, you know? So in here you should, you know, in that website, you should have, uh, you know, like your top, music videos, you should have all your recent music. Um, you should also put in there also all your social media links. And most importantly, more than anything, at a very early on stage to start a newsletter, you know, so have a location in your website, which, you know, fans can come in and subscribe to your newsletter. Uh, MailChimp is one of these, uh, you know, like email delivery services. It's a free service up to a thousand contacts and they have a lot of really uh, crafty, you know, like tools that you can embed into your website in order to collect those emails. Because even though you might be growing all your, you know, your social media platforms, um, a lot of this stuff gets lost in the feed. So if you have that email, then you have the access to be able to email this person directly every time you have a new update. So I feel even though I know I went on a tangent there with email, I think like in terms of like all your properties, you know, it's really important that they're branded cohesively. And, and nowadays there's so many tools out there too that can help you, you know, be able to create these images, the correct sizing, because that's really important that if you're going to upload something into YouTube, it's not stretched and the quality still remains, you know, so uh, I highly recommend Canva, especially if you're starting out. I feel like that's kind of like the first layer, kind of like your visual aspect. Um, then to, you know, delve a little deeper, you know, into, into a brand itself, um, obviously musicians are always, um, you know, you're pushing your music, obviously, right? So, I feel that it's important to like, as you're, you're pushing out content, it's good that you kind of balance it out a little bit and you're not always talking about your, you know, your music, you know, because people are going to feel that, that you're always selling them. And, and there is a rule in social media that generally, you know, it's, it's kind of 80, 20. So, you know, 80% of the time you're pushing out like just regular passive content. And then 20% of the time you're actually selling them something. Um, so, so I always recommend for artists, you know, if you're trying to develop your brand and your voice, it's the most important thing is just be authentic and be yourself and just kind of think about genuinely the things that you like, you know, like, are you, you know, are you pro the environment? Are you maybe, you know, and then are you like, you know, like to live a healthy lifestyle? Do you have any particular beliefs, you know, anything that makes you should be things that it's okay for you to be talking about because it will either connect more with your existing fans or it will help you find additional fans, you know, through that, those interests. So, yeah, so that's a little bit, you know, like I feel like the physical, you know, like the visual aspect is really important. And then also what you're saying has to be authentic, you know, and just kind of think a little bit about the things that you're passionate about and your affinities and, and be able to talk about them as well. Let's get into talking a little bit about Spotify. You know, you spearheaded our playlist network and, 
you know, along with your team. And you actually recently did a blog article that I thought was really interesting on how record labels can create kind of like their own profiles or their own pages. Could you talk a little bit about, you know, playlisting in terms of marketing, how to use it, and also even from the label perspective, since on Spotify, you can't really get label pages. What are some kind of like things there that if you're a record label that's listening, you could do to be able to sort of grow on Spotify? I think this should be like its own separate podcast. But um, yeah, there's tons of stuff that you can do for, you know, if you're, if you're a label, you know, on Spotify. And even our profile, like we kind of consider it almost like a label profile. But so basically on, on, um, on Spotify, you are able to create a, a brand profile. So essentially, just like similarly, like Symphonic has its own, you know, its own profile. You can create one for your own brand. Um, which essentially will, you know, it can be verified. You'll have your logo, you know, smack there, you know, obviously as a, as the profile. And then the cool thing is that then you'll, you'll be able to create different playlists and these playlists, you'll be able to, um, personalize the release cover, you know, what's featured. And it also allows you to have a description, you know, in that playlist then that description, you can also include links to different call to actions or whatever it is that you'd like to do. So, so yeah, so we, I always recommend, you know, specifically, you know, labels that for instance, you know, a good example can be, you know, obviously make sure that, that all these release covers that you're featuring, you know, they'd be, they'd be branded, you know, with like your specific label aesthetic. Um, also you can get really creative with the different types of playlists you can be making. So let's say, you know, let's say that you're an electronic label and maybe you make bass music. Um, so essentially you can make, you know, different playlists for, for different types of moods of what you know, like your music is used for. So let's say, you know, that people like to, you know, go raving, you know, for, with bass music. So do like a raver playlist, maybe do a workout playlist, um, you know, whatever, you know, your fans and you, you know, like, you know, essentially like what your audience, you know, likes to do. So create certain playlists, you know, around those themes and making sure that the title, you know, like on the title end, like you should think very search engine friendly. So kind of think about what would people be typing if they wanted to get this sort of playlist. So, you know, I think that's really important. Um, if you're a label, you can probably do perhaps, you know, uh, maybe like a top 10 tracks of, or top hundred tracks, or, you know, typically the, the, the ideal number for, of, of tracks that should be in a playlist are around 25, they say, but, you know, depending on, on the genre, you know, I think that that can be a little bit more, more flexible, but yeah, you know, making a playlist of your top releases, um, mini compilations, you know, you can do, you know, top playlists per different genres that you feature. Um, you can even curate, let's say if you have different artists, you know, maybe have like one of your artists that is trending or doing well, they can potentially do like a guest playlist, you know, so, so there's a lot that you can do, you know, in terms of, uh, of the creation of the playlist. Um, and then the next step would be, okay, you have your playlist, you have your profile, you have your playlist. So now what? So now you can start sharing them. Um, some of the tips that we give out, you know, in terms of sharing, obviously, you know, sharing it on Instagram, on Instagram stories. If you share it on Instagram stories, make sure that you can tag the different artists that are featured in the playlist. You can typically tag up to 10 playlists 
um, I'm sorry, 10, uh, 10 artists that are featured in the playlist. And what you can do is like, you can tag the artists and then minimize it to a point that you can't see it. So you can tag that in Instagram stories. Actually, you can also uh, include up to 10 hashtags, you know, similar to those genres and stuff like that. So you can hash, you know, use all those hashtags, minimize them and hide them. Um, share them in Twitter. When you share them in Twitter, make sure that at least you tag, you know, at least like a minimum of three of those artists, at least the big, the larger ones. So you know that they'll go ahead and, and reshare it. Uh, it's also really popular to, to share uh, some of the, um, you know, share the playlist also in Reddit. Essentially, you can find different subgroups that feature, you know, specific subgenres and share your playlist there. Um, one thing to be really cautious because that um, the, the ready community uh, does not like it when you share uh, a specific playlist that doesn't go with the, you know, with the genre featured in, in the group. Uh, but that's always like a great, a great way of sharing it. Um, also, Facebook groups. Now there's tons of Facebook groups for, you know, swapping out different playlists. So we also recommend, you know, sharing it there. And then a uh, big reminder, you know, obviously you've shared that, you shared the playlist, you already have a, a good branded concept, is making sure that all your other social media properties feature this link to your Spotify profile, meaning in all of our YouTube, all of your YouTube videos, that at times you include, you know, like your social media platforms, go back and update all those links to include your Spotify profile. Also, all of your social media channels, if you have, if there's an area of an about us or, you know, anything like that, add it, you know, to, you know, to that, you know, to that area of the description. Um, you can also include it in your newsletter footers if you're, you know, sending out a newsletter. So just kind of going back to all your other social media platforms and making sure that, that you have that presence there as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about live streaming. Recently, you and your team put together a festival for Symphonic called Vibes of the Bay. Can you tell us a little bit more about that festival, what the challenges were of doing an online sort of like festival or just in general, what the challenges are in streaming? And then lastly, again, what are some tips for folks that are looking to live stream so that they can engage more of an audience? Probably like a month ago at this point, we we actually hosted, yeah, like you said, we hosted our Vibes of the Bay. Um, it was pretty fun. It was like, a, it's, Vibes of the Bay is essentially a festival that we do here locally in Tampa. Um, we've been doing it now for the past, you know, six years. And and obviously, you know, due to the pandemic, we we decided to take it, you know, live. Um, and yeah, I, I felt that it was, it was pretty cool because I love that each of the artists curated kind of like their own experiences, um, that were really, you know, they were honestly really unique and, and kind of true to them and to their branding. So I love that everybody got really creative with it in their own, you know, in their own way. The challenges nowadays, obviously with, with live streaming, um, I feel like one of them is number one, uh, the competition, you know, because nowadays, you know, that, on every Friday afternoon, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, there's going to be a ton of, uh, of, of different people, you know, streaming away. You know, you see the, you see your Instagram stories kind of light up with all these lives. Um, so it, it is a little bit competitive, I feel, in a sense. 
Um, but at the same time, if you're providing something of quality, you know, something that's really good and you're offering your fan base, you know, kind of something like interesting, um, I feel that it, that it's a great way, you know, to, to engage, you know, with your, with your fan base. Um, and, and something that I've been thinking about too, is that, you know, you can do lives and they necessarily, they don't necessarily have to always be about music. You know, you can have like, you know, do a live and, and maybe just like, you know, play your favorite vinyl, you know, with like, have like a wine party and, and, and be streaming your, your favorite wine or your favorite like vinyls, or maybe you can also be, um, you know, maybe if you want to do like a little cooking session, you know, like you could get a little bit creative um, with the type of content that you're going to be putting out, uh, on the, more on the festival side, you know, when you are actually doing a, a live stream, uh, biggest recommendation, and obviously this was like my personal, you know, lesson, uh, that I had with, with streaming it in YouTube, like streaming the festival in YouTube and Facebook is making sure that you whitelist, uh, you know, like the music that you're going to be streaming unfortunately my video got taken down from both Facebook and YouTube it was kind of you know at, at the moment like at least we we were able to stream fully in YouTube um but then uh, then it got taken down with a bunch of claims so so I think like best practices would be like before the stream whatever music that you're going to be playing um uh, make sure that you you have it you know, that each of those artists, or even if it's yourself, if you're going to be part of a festival, uh, make sure that you communicate to your distributor and you let them know to whitelist that channel where that music is going to be streamed. Um, obviously, it got fixed. You know, right now the videos are up both on Facebook and YouTube. You should definitely check them out. Um, but yeah, but it was it was a bummer that, that the music got taken down. And surprisingly, um, and Jorge, maybe you could talk a little bit about this because uh, the video on Facebook got taken down immediately, you know, and then they muted it, which was like interesting, you know, like Facebook's technology was kind of like quicker. And then on the YouTube side, they, YouTube seems to just let it run. Like it, let it play, it, it played completely. And then at the end is, it's when all the, the claims came, came in. Yeah. And just to talk about that for a minute, for anybody that's interested, it could be a little bit technical and I'll try to keep it high level here, but um, Facebook and YouTube both have their own sort of like rights management platforms. So we as a distributor will deliver music for YouTube, Facebook um, to match up if anyone is using any of that music, for example. Um, certain distributors or other major record labels may have different policies. So Symphonic is primarily always of the view of allowing and monetizing, but other distributors and major record labels may be more of the view of blocking and taking down or in the Facebook case, muting. YouTube usually um, has more rules that are on the allowing and monetizing, but Facebook being kind of more of a newer player and a lot of the rules being defaulted to block content um, is what would result in portions being muted and or in general, like the video not being live, et cetera. So it really depends on the policy set by who distributed the, uh, the song, but that's a confusing thing. And the way around that is to ensure that if you are going to be live streaming um, and or like if you're a DJ playing electronic music um, that might be like on spinning records or very big record labels, um, spinning may have a rule. So you want them to effectively whitelist your Facebook or YouTube profiles, something that is 
not that easy to be able to happen, but basically the whitelisting is what enables the ability for anyone to stream without any issue. So I know that was super technical, but we're definitely going to be uh, touching more on fingerprinting, user-generated content, and all of that in future episodes. And our help desk, not to give a good advertisement for that, but our help desk uh, does have a ton of articles around whitelisting, how Facebook works, TikTok, YouTube, et cetera, as well. Thanks for the insight on that, Jorge. Um, back to you, Jeanette. You know, it's there's so many ways to connect with fans, but it's also important to network within the industry with other professionals. So as far as networking, where do you start? And is attending events and hosting worthwhile for artists and labels as well? So I would say, obviously, right now we're, we're in, you know, we're in the pandemic. So, you know, a lot of conferences and a lot of, you know, events have had to scale back or, you know, have been canceled and so on. But, but in the music industry, for sure, it's, it's crucial, you know, for you to network. Um, this is a really relationship-based, you know, industry, um, you know, whether from a standpoint of, you know, as an independent artist, you know, you have to build a team and that team is going to consist of, you know, people that can help you out, whether it's, you know, obviously to help manage your career, help you with, you know, from some sort of marketing aspect to then all the way to helping you, you know, booking shows and, you know, managing certain aspects of your career. So, so yeah, so it's really important, you know, to network. And, and I feel like in this time, you know, that everybody's stuck and in, stuck inside, um, even though, you know, some restrictions have little by little been lifted, but, but I feel like a, a, a great way nowadays to, to network, um, at least like in my personal opinion, are Facebook groups, you know, uh, because we're, you know, we're, we're kind of locked down, uh, just doing your research and finding kind of like the right Facebook groups for, for the type of, of relationship that you're trying to build, I think is really important um, and really useful because at times, you know, if, if you do find the right, uh, the right group, I feel that, that there are a lot of people that are truly engaged and genuinely, you know, trying to build relationships and, and looking for contacts themselves. So I feel like that first layer of like, you know, finding those Facebook groups or even sometimes, you know, Reddit, uh, Discord groups, you know, finding where kind of like that audience or the people that you're looking for um, conglomerate essentially online. Um, and then, you know, I see then besides that, um, obviously one-on-one -on -one connections are really important as well. So same deal, you know, finding in that case, you know, finding perhaps different types of groups that actually, you know, meet in person. Uh, at times you can find that, let's say like, you know, certain platforms that are helpful for that or let's say like meetup, you know, meetup sometimes will have a lot of, you know, different groups there. Uh, and, and also then looking for organizations that perhaps, um, you know, organizations, groups, et cetera, that, you know, that, that perhaps do have events that are, you know, offline where you can, you know, meet people in person. Uh, and, and that to me is really important. We were actually hosting um, a while back uh, some networking events as well. Uh, we were doing some in here in Tampa when we did a few in Puerto Rico as well. And we were intending to do a few more in different cities, but we've seen that that's, you know, they're, they're really great. You know, we always find, you know, kind of creative ways for people to, to interact, um, you know, whether it's like with little name tags or, you know, categorizing people by different, um, different industries. So they know 
you know, who to perhaps approach depending on the type of, of relationship that they're looking to get, you know, out of these events. But, but yeah, it's important. And, and once you are partaking in these, you know, offline events, um, making sure that you have some sort of business card or something, you know, um, nowadays, a lot of people tend to follow each other through Instagram. Um, you know, I, I've gone through a lot of events that people are just like, oh, what's your Insta, you know, and you share Instagram accounts. So that seems to be kind of like the new, you know, new, the new email. Um, but yeah, but finding a way if you have like some sort of card or something that, that people can, you know, can perhaps learn a little bit about you, you know, maybe have a website in there, maybe, you know, like a Spotify code to your music, that's always helpful, you know, instead of, of maybe yeah, exchanging your Instagram account, but, you know, until maybe that person posts or something, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to find that person again, you know, um, but yeah, I think networking is, is, is really important, and then even so, um, once things get back up and, and participating in conferences, um, we've always, you know, have, have uh, participated in a lot of networking events and, you know, meetups and stuff like that, and, and yeah, it's important, you know, to, to make those relationships also, you know, offline and, and put yourself out there, you know? Awesome. Well, Hey, listen, we've covered a lot on this. What would you say are some good parting words or some really important things that you feel like, you know, you haven't mentioned here that artists, record labels, managers should be considering when, you know, talking about their brand or marketing in general. Yeah. Just to wrap up, you know, obviously, you know, thank you both for, for having me, you know, here in the podcast again. I know we, we talked about a lot of different things, but if I were going to say any final words, I would say, you know, I think it's, it's, it's really important that obviously, you know, as a musician, you always see, you know, this is a craft that you're mastering, you know, so, so just like you master your art and that craft, having this aspect of, of your, you know, like your, your music's business is also really important to, you know, try to stay up to date as much as possible, you know, with, with all the new trends and, you know, emerging platforms that are coming about. So I would definitely recommend, you know, listeners to, to obviously continue listening to our podcast, because obviously we're going to be always putting out, you know, like the latest content and then also um, take a peek from every now and then, you know, to check out our, our blog. We are constantly updating it with the latest content, you know, in terms of all the new platforms that are coming out best practices to marketing your music and um, how to make, you know, like the most uh, revenue from it as well. So, so yeah, I recommend everybody to check that out and, um, and yeah. And thank you so much for having me. Thanks Jeanette. This is really great. Before we close out, I wanted to let you know about an exciting event that we're planning and that Jeanette Barrios is also involved with virtual music industry sessions on November 10th through the 12th. You're going to have a front row seat to fireside chats and engaging panels from marketers, business executives, A&R, marketing companies, and much more. Some of the companies represented will be YouTube, Spotify, SongTrust, ASCAP, MusicBiz, of course, Symphonic, and his many colleagues, and many more. If you want info on this, go to misessions.com. Uh, we have all the sessions, panelists, etc. that are on there. Feel free to RSVP and get ready for some great learning on that day. Thank you very much, as always, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Yeah.